Welcome to episode 456 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the one pinball podcast that guarantees it will grow on you. Trust me, listen to Canada enough and I will start to grow on you. So I want to talk about one specific thing on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm standing up right now because I'm so charged about this topic and the topic is this. The word collectability. I want us in this hobby to stop throwing around this word so much that every single game that comes out that is scarce, that is rare, that there won't be many of them is going to be a collectible in the pinball world. I don't think people even understand the pathway to collectability. We're going to talk about that right now. But first, I want to read a post that someone put up that really just shows me that people don't get it. Now, don't fall victim to these manufacturers trying to convince you that if they just make a limited number of these games today, that those games will be collectibles in the future. It doesn't work that way. And I want to read a post by Mr. Dave Peck. And Dave ordered a Raza machine from Deep Root. Now, Dave wrote the following. I just ordered one of these. I'm scared, though. Somebody hold me. I'm always scared of the startups, but I think it's pretty cool and innovative. And they're going to stop taking orders December 30th. And what is ordered by then with a max of 300 is all you will ever see of Raza after that. So I think it's going to be pretty collectible. Fingers crossed. Now, this mentality, it's not just shared by Dave. There are people out there in the pinball collecting world that think this is accurate, that if you only make a limited number of stuff, it will be collectible. And I'm here to tell you right now, you are 100,000% wrong, Mr. Dave Peck. Anyone who thinks this is absolutely wrong. If this were true, then Celts would be collectible. Then Team Pinball's The Mafia would be collectible. Then Cosmic Carnival would be collectible. Then Full Throttle would be collectible. The list would go on and on and on of limited run games that nobody cares about. WWE LE would be collectible. Here's what makes something collectible. It's not some arbitrary manufactured scarcity that these companies are trying to do. If you think about the things in life that people collect, just think about your own life, what you collect. Let me tell you the things I collect. I collect old school Japanese arcade cabinets right now. I have a Capcom Mini Cute and I have a Neo Geo SC19. These games came out in the 90s in arcades in Japan. I'll tell you why they're collectible right now for a few reasons. First reason, most importantly, is they are based on stuff that people love, that millions of people love. Millions of people love the Capcom fighting games. Millions of people love the Neo Geo system. It's held up as one of the greatest arcade systems and greatest home consoles of all time. And it has a huge fan base, okay? So the product itself is stellar and has a fan base. It's like Star Wars. People collect Star Wars stuff. Why? Because people love Star Wars. There are 2 billion Star Wars fans in the world. So if you have a Millennium Falcon mint and sealed box back from the 80s, you are going to have something that millions of people would love to have because it reminds them of their childhood. I used to collect Transformers. Same thing. I now collect Akira stuff because I love Kaneda. And guess what? Millions of people love Akira. It is a property that has a fan base. Now, let me ask you a question. Where's the Raza fan base? How many people love Raza? How many people love Celts? 
how many people love Full Throttle. Most of these games are based on things that people don't even care about from a theme level alone. And right there, you can end the conversation. They won't be collectible because there's no fan base built in. Okay, but you don't need an IP to create a fan base. If we think about some of the other pinball machines that are collectible, that became collectible, games like Medieval Madness, games like Attack from Mars, games like Monster Bash, games like Cactus Canyon. Why did those games become collectible? The answer is so simple because they're amazing games. They are amazing games that people who love pinball saw how incredible these pinball games are. They were not collectible on day one. When those machines came out, there were not people ordering them, keeping them in box and waiting 20 years until the value went up because they were collectible. They were opened up by operators, they were put on location, and for so many years, people played those games, enjoyed them, and then threw them away. They were thrown in dumpsters. Nobody thought to collect them. They were basically just meant to be a great game during a period of time in pinball in which they were released to the world in the 90s. Now, we started collecting them later on, like maybe a decade or more later, when people realized a few things. There weren't many of them in good condition left in the world. Most of them were routed and beat up. So if you had a great condition medieval madness, it became a collectible. But all of these games were great. They first had to prove that they were worth owning, that they were worth playing. They established themselves as something that is worth collecting. What has Raza established itself as? What has Full Throttle established itself as? If you were to ask me this kind of mentality and this way to approach the hobby is all flawed. And I'm telling you, Stern also is trying to do this. Stern wants people to believe that their LEs of their Stern machines are going to be collectible. And the truth is most of them will not be. Most of you who are investing heavily in Stern LEs and buying up every new Stern machine they make, the truth is there are so many of them. They're a dime a dozen. They're found everywhere. And sure, you might have an LE version of a game, but as people have said it, at $10,000 or $9,000, 500 of these games at $10,000 is more than enough games. If you want to find one, you can find one. Remember, back in the day, these pinball machines came out and they were like $2,000 and nobody collected them and they got discarded. And that's why you saw things like Medieval Madness get all the way up to like twelve dollars to $15,000 10 years ago for a pristine example of the game because just none of them existed because nobody had the foresight to buy them and hold on to them for 10 plus years or 20 years. And I think some of the companies nowadays are trying to bank on this, that if you buy a Raza, if you buy a Big Lebowski, if you buy a new Alien pinball machine, it's going to be a collectible. It's going to be something that other people want, that they're going to offer you more money than you paid for it. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. I was looking on eBay last night. A Big Lebowski auction went up for $13.5. That's only $1,000 more than you could buy it new from Dutch Pinball. And guess how many bids the Big Lebowski got on that eBay auction when it ended? It got zero bids. People are waking up to this fact that these things are not what we think they are. For a game to become collectible, for a game to become special, the first thing it has to do is be amazing as a pinball game. If you were to ask me, the games that are gonna be collectibles are the games that are great. 
Games like Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition over at Jersey Jack. They're never making more of them. There's only 200 in the world. Eric Minier has established himself as one of the greatest pinball designers of our time right now. So if you're going to collect something, chances are the things people are going to seek out. If you think about it, 10 years from now, what games are people going to seek out? They're probably going to seek out Eric Minier's games. They're probably going to seek out Keith Elwin's games. Why? Because those are the two greatest designers happening in pinball right now the same way you seek out now Pat Lawler's games of yesteryears John Papadouk's games of yesteryears some of these designers their best stuff is well behind them and you know it and I know it and even they know it okay so you look at a game like Guns N' Roses collector's edition there's only going to be 500 is that a game that's going to be a collectible and I'm here to tell you yes it will because not because they're only making 500 here are the two reasons why Guns N' Roses collector's edition is going to be something that people collect it's going to be something that goes up in value and it's going to be something that holds its value and becomes a item of prestige for many many years to come and the answer is just two things one it's a masterpiece the game is a freaking masterpiece two they're only making 500 of a guns and roses pinball machine guns and roses has hundreds of millions of fans around the world so they have this huge fan base that would love to own something and it's got the iconic music that's never going to grow old it's never going to grow old and the game itself is a masterpiece so you combine those two things and there is never going to be a period in time in which guns and roses collector's editions ever sell for below 12.5 there's never going to be a period in time in which the demand for gnr is less than the supply of it okay but again i wouldn't even buy guns and roses right now with that mentality i would buy the game because you love guns and roses that is the only reason for you to own a guns and roses pinball machine is if you love guns and roses not because you want a collectible not because you want to make money in two years it's such a stupid way to do it buy something because you love it life is very very short it's very very short i am right now awaiting a neo geo cabinet that is being created for me or restored for me by an amazing guy over in France and he's suffering through a medical issue and I'm watching this guy he's a warrior he's battling through every day and he's still engaged in the things that he loves and I'm looking at this dude and I'm like this guy gets it like he appreciates life life is really short why would you buy something simply to make a quick buck on it if you're not going to enjoy it because the money's going to go quickly let me tell you how fast that thousand dollars would go it would go in one meal with me in New York City I would take you to an omakase restaurant we would order some expensive bottles of sake and we would get the chef's tasting menu and your money would be gone in one meal that's how fast it goes but if you buy something you love and you buy a game that brings you happiness every day here's what you can't do you can't put a price on that and nobody can take that from you so stop looking at games like raza and saying oh fingers crossed i hope it's going to be a collectible if that's the way you're going into a game like raza you're broken already your mentality is broken you should buy raza because the game itself speaks to you because the game itself looks like something you would love because the game itself looks like something you will enjoy to play and when i'm hearing people talk about games like raza i'm not hearing that i'm hearing this oh it's going to be a rare j-pop game and it's going to be worth something as someone who spent twenty-three thousand dollars on a broken magic girl i can tell you right now i learned my lesson it's no fun 
owning that rare game that's not any good to play. It's no fun looking at that thing every day and being reminded that this guy can never complete a project, that this guy ripped off so many people. It was no fun. And I couldn't wait till the day came where I could sell it to someone who would actually see the value in it. Now, it ended up going to a pinball museum, and that makes sense. That's where that game belongs. It's a conversation piece inside a museum of tons of titles in which you can stop and say, oh yeah, look, that's the Magic Girl. Because it is a moment in pinball history, but man, I wouldn't want to own it, and it brings no joy if you're owning that machine to play it. And that's the thing is I don't even think people know with a lot of these new machines that they think are going to be collectibles, they don't even know if the game's going to be enjoyable in six months. There's no instant collectible. There's just not. Even Guns N' Roses' history is not yet determined. We will see. Will people get tired of it? Will people bore of it? If you love Guns N' Roses, there's nothing that would ever bore you of GNR. And I just think there's enough GNR fans to keep this game collectible. So here's my final point, all right? We're, we're almost at Christmas time, and I just saw this, and I wanted to do a quick show about this word collectible. Don't buy something in pinball because you think it's going to be a collectible. Buy a game because it's a game for you. Buy a game because you love it. If it happens to become collectible over the years, then great. You won. You won on two fronts. You won because you got a game you love and it held its value. So if you ever want to get rid of it, you win-win. Okay, great win-win situation. But what's going on right now is this arbitrary manufactured scarcity around games that haven't proven they're any good or not, around companies that we don't even know are going to be around for a very long time, and everyone's trying to pretend that they've got the next collectible. We're only going to make 200 Celts. Do you hear that in the marketing around Celts? We're only going to make 200. Man, you're not going to sell 200 Celts. You could say that all you want, but you know that there's not enough demand to, to make 200 Celts. And marketing is easily see-through. When marketing seems too good to be true, it is. Here's the best marketing. I know I always go on and on about marketing and pinball, but here's the truth. You don't need to do marketing and pinball. The marketing and pinball is a great game. If you make a great game, it will market itself, it will sell itself, it will attract people. If you make a short run of a great game, yes, chances are people will want it and it'll go up in value and it might one day be a collectible. But you can't determine that as the company. Just because you say we're only going to make this doesn't mean it's special. And we've seen the majority of times people try to use that fancy language. It just doesn't come true. Oh, can I take a breath? Okay, so let's just end this podcast by saying Texas Pinball Festival has been canceled. We're not surprised by this. With what's going on in the world, it was the smart thing to do by Ed. It was the responsible thing to do by Ed. And so we look forward to seeing TPF 2022. It's crazy. Now, the one thing I will say, and I've told this to Jeff, I don't know why the Twippies are still aligned with the timing of TPF when there is no TPF. It always feels like forever in a day between the Twippy voting opening up on January 1st and then the show itself is mid to late March. It's just so long away. By the time we get to the Twippies, Avengers is an eight-month-old game. That being said, that being said, come January 1st, January 2nd, don't forget to vote for Canada's Pinball Podcast for your favorite pinball podcast. And I think the way we should vote, and I didn't want to say this, but whatever, you can do a 
what you want. I'm not going to make you vote a certain way. But with this new weighted system in which they're trying to make it easier for other people to get Canada's trophy, here's what I would ask all of you to do. Unless you absolutely want to put down your second and third favorite pinball podcast, only one person is going to win. So it's a vote for your favorite pinball podcast. So I would vote for Canada, and then that's it. Because if you put two and three into your votes, you are actually helping someone who you don't want to be your favorite win the favorite award. And I get it. It's a weighted system. I don't know why they're doing it this year, but that's what I would recommend if you're a fan of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Just put me down. I'm your favorite. And that's it. Leave it at that because it's an award for favorite. It's not an award for second place. It's not an award for third place. Okay. So thank you everybody for listening to Canada's Pinball Podcast and putting up with my rants on a weekly basis. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy tackling topics like this and keeping it very focused and we get right to the point. And I think that's why you love listening to this show. Have a great day. Have a merry, merry Christmas if I don't talk to you before then. And I'm going to do a show soon where I predict what I think is going to win at the Twippies. The big one is game of the year. It's going to be an exciting thing. Game of the year, designer of the year. For the first time, we have many titles that are jockeying it out for these awards. It's not just going to be Jurassic Park running away with it again. So exciting, exciting time. Who's hosting the Twippies? Why is that still a mystery? What's going on? Jeff's got a hype this thing. Only Canada's hyping the Twippies. I mean, where is the marketing machine around this? Voting opens up in like a week. I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing anything. And I'm not on the payroll and I'm not hosting it. You know that. Anyway, everyone have a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Touching me.